And this is where it says it at verse 5. Whatever mission Saul sent David on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army, and this pleased all the troops and Saul's officers. And when the troops were returning home after David had killed Goliath, the woman came out from all the towns of Israel. They were singing and they were dancing with joyful songs. And as they danced, they sang, King Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. So Saul, he was very angry. This displeased him greatly. This is what he said. They have credited David with tens of thousands, but me with only thousands. What more can he get that maybe he might get my kingdom? In verse 9, it says, And from that time on, King Saul kept a close eye on David. When it was made clear that King Saul could see David replacing him as king, his response was to try and kill this next generational leader. His aim was to ruin every chance of the next generation. He didn't like that his time was going to eventually come to an end, and he wasn't happy about who was going to be the next leader. You know, just yesterday we had uh, a little baby, uh, Eli's birthday uh, yesterday, and there were just a lot of family and friends and, and stuff, and I was sitting on the table. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I was sitting with, you know, I said, Nati, Sally, Celia, uh, Matthias, and Kenny, Celia's, you know, little little boy. And it was just, well, it was cool having conversations with them all. You know, I was talking with Matthias, you know, um, and I was going, oh, what do you do today, Matthias? How old is Matthias? Four or five? Five. He's a five-year-old, right? He's going, oh, what do you do today? He goes, oh, I just had my rugby game. And I said, oh, cool. And I said, oh, did you do well? He goes, yeah, I got a certificate, um, you, know, for, 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 you know, for a particular thing that he did on the team. And I said, wow. So you're the man, like, you play like your dad plays. And he goes, oh, kind of, sort of. like this. <laughs> I said, what do you mean, kind of, sort of? And he goes, oh, yeah. See, I step. My dad doesn't step. <laughs> he doesn't know, but it's okay. You know, still trying to be polite. Um, and then I was just sitting next to Kenny, and he, that man was just eating all his chocolate stuff next to me. Um, but, you know, I had a, I was sitting next, you know, I was talking with Asanati. And um, as I was talking with Asanati, and, you know, we were, uh, it was cool because she was sharing with me how she just sensed God doing some amazing things in this season, right, um, ahead with some huge decisions. And what really blessed me, not only the fact that the direction of her next season of life, man, it's exciting, but it was because of, I just thought, there was, you know, one of the purposes of her focus. Her, her focus is to set an example for the young generation to be inspired to follow and just do even greater. Now, if you know... Asanati already, right? You, you know, she's already an amazing leader and such a hard worker, godly character and integrity. You can pay me later. But, you know, just sitting and listening to her yesterday, man, I was so inspired just to see God as, as taking her to, you know, another depth in life uh, where her purpose has, man, get this, her purpose has nothing to do with her. But it's all about a young generation. 
Wouldn't you agree that we need people, more people like Asanati, just who are willing, you know, and, and more than happy to, to set things up and pass it on, you know, on what we have learned to the younger ones. You know, this week, um, I don't know if they're here. Marcus, are you guys here? Yeah, Marcus and Valetti, man. We were hanging out with these guys, myself and my wife, this week. They've been married, what, six months now? You're still happy? You're sitting together, so that's, that's pretty cool. You know, and, um, you know, it was cool catching up with them. We were laughing about what mar- married life is really like. Um, once again, we were, you know, we were encouraged just to hear how marriage was going, you know, for them. But, but one thing, again, that stood out for me and Weens is how they just, they are hungry to grow in God as husband and wife, to reach a younger generation that think, man, totally different to how they grew up knowing God. It's cool seeing these guys where, where they're at right now. You know, like learning how to grow in God. And I remember, man, I remember them, you know, before they were sh- um, married, you know, students on, at university. And to me, they are great examples of a young generation, now married, wanting to learn how to grow to reach a generation younger than them. You know, these are, I mean, these are just two examples just of, Different generations thinking of, of others younger than them, willing to live out, you know, just Christ-like lives for a young generation to follow. And this is why each and every one of us need to think about being multiplayers. As I mentioned earlier, this term multiplayer, it refers to you know, when, when you're, you're playing a video game or a computer game like PS4, it involves playing at the same time with other players on, online. And, and when you get to play alongside a team, you know, a team of four or five people, your purpose is to win. And, and when you play a computer game as, as a multiplayer, you need to work together in order to win. And it's funny because you, someone older, you know, 10 10 years older or 20 years older may be playing on the same team with a 10-year-old. And that 10-year-old's probably the man on the game. (laughs) He's probably holding it down for the whole team. It's so interesting that people can be, can work together on different generations in games that are online. Look, I'm not trying to promote games, okay? I've got my own personal convictions on where that stands. But, look, so in our church community, this church right here, this community right here, we need to catch a hold of how important it is for multi-generational relationships across all generations. Relationships built on mutual trust, learning how to honor each other better, respect to both young and old and vice versa, right? That results to serving one another and and ultimately obeying God and accomplishing his purposes. So let me explain. I mean, let me try explain why you and I, all of us listening today, need to be multiplayers, okay? If you're from an old generation, you'll always have 
complaints, right, about the young generation. The old generation always feel that the young generation doesn't know how to pull their weight or work hard. They never listen. You know, they, they, they don't have ears. They just don't care. That's what we old generation think. But if you're from a young generation, you probably complain about how the old generation, they nag you. They nag you to be better. Yet, you know, that young generation, you're probably thinking, man, just chill, man. Just relax. Those things that you nag me about, they aren't even relevant in this day and age. Mum. Oh. <laughs> and wake up later. You know, I know. I know none of you young generation, you know, would never say that to your parents. Not to their face, right? So I'm just relaying the things that are happening in that beautiful mind of yours. You know, I mentioned earlier how, uh, how as David, he became, he became more famous. And over time, King Saul became more jealous. Well, sad to say, King Saul's attitude began deteriorating. You know, there were key leaders that started to leave his leadership. He almost hurt his son physically, his outer son, Jonathan, in a, in a fit of anger, which, man, it actually created future friction between them. God had clearly decided to take the kingship from King Saul and then to transfer it to David. Yet King Saul continued to try keeping the kingdom for himself and his family line. I get that. And one of those, you know, one of the things we must learn when thinking, you know, multi-generational in God's economy and in, in the church here, in our church community, our spiritual family, is you must learn to submit to the plans of God even when it doesn't go your way. That's happened so many times in my life. I'm sure it's happened in yours. Remember, um, I think coming into, you know, one of my jobs, about to come into ministry. Um, at that time, I just wasn't sure if ministry was full-time for me. And then God just forced the hand, and he pushed me. It's like he pushed me out of my job. Um, they were trying to get rid of me. They were trying to accuse me for things. They were saying just, you know, my, 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 I wasn't really doing a good job. Um, and it really hurt, you know, that uh, you've dedicated your life. You've gone in thinking that, you know, you're, you're walking in with the integrity and the fear of God to, to really, you know, love your job. I loved my job back then as well. But then being forced out. And the way I was forced out was just, just, you know, just different managers didn't like what I was doing. And that was really stink, right? But I guess if that didn't happen, I would have never said yes to what I'm doing today. And I'm grateful. I thank God for just that time. And to actually walk through it with the integrity and not go and burn the building down, <laughs> I wasn't thinking that. But, you know, but walking out with the humility, and I, I mean... I didn't walk out with humility. I got humbled. That made me walk out. <laughs> and so as I walked out, being humbled, I just, man, thank you. I thank God now. 
I can laugh about it now. You know, I don't need to cry about it anymore, moan or, or any, be a little sook, chuck all my toys out of the, you know. I'm grateful for where I am today because I realized that as I just submitted to God, you know, it, it, it went his way and I understood it later on in my life. You know, another thing I've personally learned from this part of King Saul's life is to realize and trust that God, he also speaks to the young generation. I didn't mention this part of the story that we were, you know, of King, King Saul and David, but King Saul's elder son, Jonathan, this was the son who was next in line to be king, yet Jonathan himself, even he knew, he knew that David had the favor of God who was called to be the next king instead of him. Knowing that you're going to lose everything, but trusting God that it's his way. Wow. A next generation. He was a younger generation as well. He was, you know, he was the same generation as David. But he heard from God. He understood. They both loved God. They both, you know, and that's what I'm just saying. Young ones even hear from him. What that tells me, what if, right, what if King Saul was able to see God's bigger picture? How do you think things would have worked for King Saul if he had helped transition leadership to God's chosen king instead of hurting himself and those around him? Sad to say, King Saul never chose to do it like that. What that, what that tells me is this. The young generation amongst themselves, and I said it before, they believe in each other and the plans God has for them. So then, shouldn't the old generation begin to think of transitioning, you know, our trust, our faith, and our belief in them also? I know there's a lot of wisdom behind that as well. But I think we've got enough people in here to help and pray and guide us. You know, today... If you haven't already, man, I pray that we will be challenged, each and every one of us, because, you know, when I say old generation, ye all old. The youth has gone to youth. The kids have gone to kids. The crash has gone, you know, the kids, the young ones are in crash, and the rest of you old people are here with me. So I'm talking to you as I've been challenged myself. If you haven't already, I, I pray that you and I, we will be challenged to see, to think, and to understand that there is a younger generation growing up out in the world, outside of these walls, who have view, views out there, right? Their views. And I'll be honest, some of those views out there, maybe a lot of the views out there, for me, I personally do not agree on. I'm an old school thinker. And so their views out there. However, it doesn't mean that those views are not there. Because the fact of the matter is those young generation views are there whether you and I like it 
or not. And this is why each and every one of us need to think about being multiplayers. We need to catch a hold of how important it is to build multi-generational relationships across all generations. Relationships built on mutual trust, uh, learning how to honor each other, you know, even in a better way, respect to both young and old and, and vice versa. You know, the results in serving one another and, man, just ultimately glorifying God. You know, this is a season of us in a church, we, our church here. We have a lot of youth. Some of you are parents to the youth. Some of them are either, you know, going on their journey, trying to, you know, in a, in trying to find a relationship with God, and so some of them may not be in church right now, but then we have a lot of these kids, you know, here in youth. And so we are transitioning these people into, as parents into a better life. We want them to either be better in sports, better in the education, become successful in life. All these things that are, that are healthy and right and good, we want them to live, you know, in, in, a, in an honorable way to respect us but what about teaching them to live after God's heart sometimes it's totally different sometimes you can't rush them sometimes you can't force God on them and so I love some of the parents here that are learning how to just be patient with their children I'm so grateful for that because I learned from that see even though some may not be in church or may not enjoy coming to church, I know the one thing that I learned from the older parents in this room when I sit around with them and ask them, how did you do this with your child? Now that I've got teenage kids, how did you do it? And the one thing they say, man, we just pray. We just pray and trust God on their journey. They're now old enough to make their own decisions. So we're at a place where our kids are growing in church. There's a, there's a foundation of, of God because of you being in here. And so, yeah, let's continue to pray for the next generation. But also, what are ways, pray about what are ways that we can help transition them. You know, I love seeing some of these young ones on stage. I love seeing them serving um, in hospitality. I love some of them being, you know, at the door this morning. I just saw the young ones just running around carrying a lot of stuff for, you know, for, for some of us this morning, trying to set up for church to, uh, this morning. And I love seeing that, them getting involved. But, yeah, we're just trusting God. How can we do this for the next generation? How can we do it for the next generation in our creche? I mean, there's a, there's a load of little kids in there. <laughs> And we're thinking about them as well, the next generation. So I want to finish. The relationships across all generations. Our heart is for multiple generations to cultivate. You know, it's like a partnership, a partnership in seeking and obeying and prioritizing God, even though the playing field, the world out there, it's going to change it will continue to change as time goes by we sense that and we know that and so i want to pray today i want to pray for all of us here and, and as, you, as you see i mean yeah being a multiplayer but 
so many generations in here, but God's one economy, God's one kingdom. It's a church generation, and it's learning how do we adapt, how do we pass it on, how do we be wise and win, how do we step out in faith to risk some ideas of, of helping, you know, these, these um, next generation take up certain things here in our church. So let me pray, let me pray uh, for us.